You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Hello, Life Tree, and welcome to Sundays at Home. This is Pastor Dan with you, and uh, just uh, thank you for joining in today. Um, how great that you can be in your pajamas today watching, and it's okay. So, uh, wherever you find yourself watching this, if it's on your couch, in your bed, on your treadmill, elliptical, Whatever you're doing, taking a walk, I just appreciate you tuning in today. And wherever you are, my prayer is this, that, that the message today would be a word that you hear uh, straight from the heart of God. That I believe God's got a word that we need to hear today and that you need to hear right where you are at this time in history today. And that's, I just pray that whatever comes through today, that you, you hear it and you receive it as that. At the conclusion of the message today, I want to let you know... Um, we're going to be sharing communion, so in, invite you to prepare some bread and uh, and a, a cup, so something to drink, some juice there. So uh, if you if you want to pause right now, you can do that and then come back. But at the end of this time, just want to let you know we'll be going into that, so you can pause at any time and get that. But if you want to have that prepared, it'd be a great time to do that. Today's a special day. It's uh, it's Palm Sunday, and it marks the celebration of Jesus uh, entering into Jerusalem. It's a, it's a well-known story, and it's typically the time of year where we build up to Easter. You know, we're getting ready, starting to feel the energy. It's, you know, it's like it's coming, and, and it's, a, it's definitely different this year. You know, something, something strange. Um, we're, in a, we're in a season of waiting. You know, there's no question. It's, a, it's an interesting season right now. Um, I think what makes it most interesting is that we don't know what we're waiting for, um, you know, I know that we're, we're waiting for this to end, but we don't know when that's going to be. Not only that, we don't know what the world's going to look like when this is over. You know, I don't know, you know, what will we have learned? What will, what will be the same? What will be different? You know, what will the history books say about this time in history? I'm trying to think of like a, a name to think about it. Maybe they'll call it like the, the Great Grounding. Everybody had to go to their rooms. You know, I don't know. Like, what, what are they, they going to call this? What stories are we going to tell, you know, our grandchildren and and the next generations who, who didn't live through it. What are we going to tell them about this time? Because it's definitely a peculiar and unusual and significant time in, in world history. And uh, I think that the hardest part is that we don't know how long this is even going to go on. We don't know what we're waiting for. Um, I think if we had like a definitive date, like if I knew, listen, you know, four weeks from now or six weeks from now or two weeks from now, whatever it's going to be. Like at that date, like I could, listen, if you told me six months from now, but it's all going to be better, like it would help me to know like, oh, there's a date. I can, I just have to plan for this, but not knowing, it's been, it's been difficult. It's been a challenge. And I think when we're hoping for something, that the intensity of that waiting um, increases, right? Like if you're hoping for something. So if you're a parent, for example, and you're hoping that school comes back in, um, Right now, there's waiting. Every time you open the Chromebook, every time you get on Google Classroom, you're sitting there going, ah, oh, another day, another day, right? There's something, be but if you didn't have that, if you weren't a parent, right, you wouldn't really care when the schools get back in. But because you're hoping that schools get back in session soon, right, it, it, it changes, it, it colors, it shapes your waiting. You know, we're all, we're all hoping we don't get sick. We're hoping that someone finds a cure. Um, maybe you're hoping that you'll have enough money you know, to provide, to last, maybe that your retirement won't be too greatly impacted, that you'll be able to, to still, you know, accomplish those, those life goals that you had. And, and it's because you have those hopes that it shapes your waiting. 
right? That every time you look at the stock market, it, it shapes your weighting, that you're more anxious or you're more attentive. Because the, the truth is, if you don't care what happens, then the weighting doesn't matter, right? Like if you don't actually care uh, what, what's going to happen, because like, so you don't care when the school is because you don't have children, right? And that's not bad or good. It's just if you don't have children, it may not impact you as much when kids go back to school. So your, your weighting isn't shaped so much by that anticipation. But I think because we're all hoping this ends soon, um, and we don't know, you know, when or if it will, when, when it will, when it will end, that we find ourselves living in sort of this this tension, this profound tension, um, and it's nothing new. I just want to just bring that to light. It's nothing new. This tension that we live in, throughout history, people have wrestled with that tension, right? The tension between what what is and what you're hoping for. Right? And, and I want to talk about that tension today, maybe how we can how we can ease that tension a little bit. And I think it always right. It's good to start with Jesus. Jesus is the reason that uh, that tension. It's a good place to start, right? When he entered the world, things weren't great. Things were not great in in, in the world. Governments were corrupt. There was racism and classism. There was all sorts of dysfunction in society. Um, poverty was rampant. Sicknesses were often fatal. Uh, people were struggling. And as Jesus began to do miracles, right, um, people perked up, right? He healed people. He united people. He spoke against corruption. He cared for the poor, and, and that got people's attention. It was different. It was in that time, in that tense atmosphere, Jesus was something different, and it, was, it stood out. And collectively, slowly, you began to hear the question rising from people, you know, who is this guy? Could, could this perhaps be... You know, the Messiah, could this be the one that we've been hoping for? The one that's going to, uh, the, you know, there were doubters and there were skeptics. But for, for the most part, people began to say, could this be the guy? You know, the one that was going to, to, to save us? And the, the more miracles Jesus did, right, the louder, the louder the crowds got. And I think it, it came to a head, it really did, um, on, on this Palm Sunday, what we what we celebrate for the triumphal entry, it's what we call that that day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. It really it really grew to a head at that point. He had instructed his disciples to go get a, a young colt, a, a young donkey, and he rode into Jerusalem on the back of this young colt. And as he did, it says the crowds filled the streets, waving palm branches, and we get Palm Sunday, waving these palm branches and taking off their their cloaks and their garments and laying them on the ground and sort of creating a red carpet for Jesus to ride into the city on. Right? This was going to be the moment that their hopes of of of, of relief of rescue became a reality. Relief from oppressive government was about to come, and and something new was about to be ushered in. Health, wealth, freedom, all these things were about... They had such high hopes, such big hopes for what was going to happen in the world. It was about as dramatic of a moment as you can imagine. As There's just throngs of people, you know, crowding around, celebrating and, and singing. And, and I mean, this just this jubilant atmosphere. And here comes Jesus riding on donkey into this, into this setting. We can read about it in Matthew chapter 21. Verse 8, and it says this, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, which literally translates, Save us. Save us to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. They're saying, Here is the one who's come to save us. You know, I mean, could you imagine right now if somebody had the vaccine, right? And, or they had the antidote and they could eliminate this entire virus. They could, they could you know, erase it. Just imagine what that person would be like walking into every hospital, right? You've seen the videos of people cheering and clapping and rightfully so for our medical health care workers. But could you imagine if, if someone showed up with this, you know, miracle, you know, vaccine, they could heal everybody, Oh, man, the world would go crazy. And that's kind of the this, this setting that was going on. He's come to save us. He's come to rescue us. Here it comes. And if you think maybe even more impressive on a mighty horse or on a chariot, yeah, it wouldn't have been for the Jewish people. They wouldn't have felt that way at all. Um, because there had been a prophecy hundreds of years earlier by the prophet Zechariah that said that the Messiah, the Savior, the one that was going to come to save people, was going to come riding in to the holy city on a donkey, specifically on a colt. And so the Jewish people, they knew that reference. They knew what that meant. So they knew what Jesus was claiming here. They understood the significance of this moment. They understood the inference. So let's think about this. A people right, that had been hoping for a Messiah, they're hearing things about one that's coming. They're seeing miracles that are taking place. They're hearing the teaching of Jesus and the words, the things that he's proclaiming. They're watching as he rides into this, this holy sacred city on a colt. The, the people, religious and non-religious alike, are flocking to him, flooding the streets, crying out, save us, save us. I mean, I'm just trying to paint the picture for you, if you, if you can imagine it. When, when hope is about to be realized, when it's about to come to fruition, when everything you want is like, it's the moment, like, oh, it's about to happen, it's like an explosion. Right? It's hard to believe this is actually happening. Now, here's the hard-to-imagine part. It was only days later that those very same people would crucify Jesus. The same ones who were singing his praises and showering him with praise turned on him and nailed him to a cross. What happened? Like, what changed? Like, where, what in the world? How, how did it go from that to there's Jesus on the cross? And the people are yelling and beating and spitting on him and despising what, what made that change? And I think this is, this is what made the difference. Jesus was who they were hoping for, but he wasn't what they expected. He was who they were hoping for, but he wasn't what they were expecting. See, they were looking for a king that was going to usher in, right, overthrow the government and usher in this utopian society, right? They were looking for someone who was going to come and make things better right now who's going to solve all their problems and, and somehow fix everything. Like right now, just make it better now. And what did Jesus do? He talked of an eternal kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. He, he promised that suffering would always be part of this life. And rather than defeating their enemies, he told them to go love them. Oh man, you can imagine why this was, this was not what they were expecting. This is not who they were hoping in. So, we, we, we sit here today and we've got what's called hindsight bias, right? We know now that Jesus was the Messiah and we know who he was and we know that he was who they were hoping for. He just wasn't what they were expecting. So the question is, how did they miss it? Like, we know that and we go, oh, you should have seen that. But 
But again, hindsight bias. But so what, what did they miss? And what can we learn from this story to make sure that, that we don't miss that today? And here's, here's, here's just one thing I want you to take away with today. Flawed expectations can hide the genuine fulfillment of our hope. I'll say that again. Flawed expectations can hide the genuine fulfillment of our hope. See, if we don't know what we are actually hoping for, it's very likely that we will miss it when it comes. Pastor Dan, what are you, what are you saying? Are you saying that the people didn't know what they were hoping for? That's actually exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying they failed to put their finger on what they were hoping for. It's like when someone asks for money, right? They're, they're not actually asking for money. It's not what they need. Like if my, my kids ask for money, they're not asking for the, the paper bills. It's usually something else. They, they want food or they want shoes or they want you know, tickets to go somewhere. They, they want to do something, experience something, to, to gain something. It's not so much the money that they're asking for. It's, it's the thing, right? That's what they're asking for. The money is not the ultimate end. And likewise, it's so easy for us to fail to identify what it is that we really are hoping for. We say we want money, but it's not money. You want security, or we want, we want stability, or we want the ability to be generous, or to help. Right? We've got all these other things. It's, it's not so much the paper. It's something else. And, and, and likewise, when we hope, I think it's easy to fail to identify what we really want. Because they were being offered what they genuinely and truly wanted and needed, but they couldn't recognize it. They couldn't recognize it. So what was it that they were really hoping for? I mean, what was it? And I propose today that what they were hoping for is what you and I are still hoping for today. And not only that, it's the same thing that every person who has ever lived has been hoping for. I think there's a common hope that all humanity shares and I encourage you to test this. As I share it, right, as I'm about to say it, I want to see if it touches your soul. As you, as you hear this, just weigh this. Does the, if, if this resonates inside you, if as you hear this, you go, yeah, yeah, that's actually what it is. That's actually what I want. Then, then you'll know that this is true. And, and test this, right? This is what, so as you're sitting on your couch, in your kitchen, wherever you are, listen, listen to what this says. So Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We are all really hoping for the day we are released from sin and suffering. Pastor Dan, that sounds really churchy. I'm not sure. No, no, pay attention. Just listen just for a moment. Go with me here. This is our hope. Release from sin and suffering. Can you? We live in a world where sin and suffering are everywhere. They're, they're everywhere. We, we can't do enough to eliminate them. You can try. You can advocate your head off, right? You can love as, as best you can. You can do good. You can vote. You can influence. You can do everything you can to stop the spread of sin, to stop the spread, I'm sorry, of sin and suffering. But let me ask you, how are we doing with that? Is the world suffering right now? For all of our best attempts at ending suffering, is suffering rampant right now? 
Do we see the effects of sin everywhere? Could you imagine what a world would look like with no sin? Think about that for a moment. A world with no lying. A world with no hostility. With no abuse. A world with no violence. A world with no division. With no addiction. Could you imagine a world with no sin? Where everyone was pure of heart. Could you imagine what a world like that would look like? I mean, first things off, we would need no locks on doors. Everybody would stay where they are supposed to be. We wouldn't have to worry about sharing. There would always be enough for everybody. Could you imagine a world with no sin? Second, could you imagine a world where there was no suffering, where there's no sickness, where there's no disease, right? where there's no sorrow, there's no regret, there's no pain, there's no shame, there's no guilt, where there's no death, where there's no decay, right? Our, our bodies are aging and, 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 and we're getting old and, and, and we're getting vulnerable. Could you imagine a world where there's no sin and there's no suffering? What would that even look like? See, the hope of humanity has always been the release from the pain of sin and from the reality of suffering. That's what we've been looking for. And not only that, not only that, it's not only the absence of those things, but the presence of one thing. The presence of one thing above all else. It's one of the greatest words in all the world, and it's a, it's a rich word. It's a word that I, I'm still discovering and still trying to understand all that it means. But it's a Hebrew word. You'll know it, you'll, you'll know it as soon as you hear it. And here's the word. Here's what, here's what we are hoping for. Release from sin and suffering, but not just the release from that, but the fulfillment of Shalom. It's a Hebrew word, shalom. It means true peace. When all is right with the world, when our relationship with God is as it should be, fully, when our relationship with each other is as it should be, when our relationship with the world is as it should be. Imagine everyone in total right relationship with God. Imagine your family in total right relationship with each other. Imagine our town totally in right relationship with everybody. Shalom. Complete peace with everyone. Everyone is at peace. And not only that, we're at peace with our world. With, with nature, right? With, with other countries, with other societies. That we are totally at peace globally. That's what heaven is. And that's what we're hoping for. That's why we can say with confidence that the best is yet to come. Because that's what we're hoping for. That's an awesome thing. That's not now. But that's my hope. My hope is released from sin, released from suffering, and shalom. That's what we're hoping for. So to summarize, where we find ourselves today is living in the tension. We are living in this profound tension between hoping for shalom, hoping for release from sin, hoping for release from suffering, and at the same time living in it. We are living in sin. We are living in suffering. We're living in the midst of that, but we're hoping for this. So, what can we do to ease that tension right now? What can we do today as you're sitting on your couch, as you're sitting at home, as you're, as you're not going anywhere, as you're not doing anything? What can you do to ease that tension? Here's one thing you can do. You can do what Paul revealed. There's three things I want to say. The first thing, you can do what Paul revealed that all creation is doing. Ready? You can groan. What? Yep, you can groan. All creation is groaning right now. We are groaning. Collectively, the earth, the world, all people are groaning. There's a place 
for expressing our grief, our pain, and our suffering. N.T. Wright has written a great short little article for Time Magazine, if you want to go read it, about how the church doesn't have an answer for coronavirus. And what he's talking in there is about lament, about how we have lost perhaps this value of lament. You read through the Psalms, you read, there's an entire book called Lamentations. It's lamenting. It's this, the ability of the soul to express our pain because it's important. It's important for us to do that. Listen, um, I'm, I'm like Inigo Montoya, right? I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I want this to be better and I want it to be better now. I want God just to come and fix it, snap his fingers and it all be over. And guess what? In this time, I'm just struggling, right? We're in the waiting. God says you can groan. You can groan. The whole earth is groaning because we're recognizing and acknowledging that what we hope for is not yet a reality. It's here, but it's not yet full. Right? We do not have shalom fully yet on this earth. We will not in this life. Right? So God says you can groan as long as, number two, here's the second thing you need to do, you need to rejoice. Romans 5.3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, when we run into quarantines, when we run into interruptions and disruptions, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens what? Our confident hope of salvation. Oh, and this is the best verse. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Right? As we live in this tension, we can choose to rejoice. Yes, we can groan, but we can also rejoice. To celebrate that hope of shalom. That that shalom is coming. It is on its way. It's something that we have to look forward to. We don't know when. We don't know where. But we know it's coming. God will deliver. Your hope will not be disappointed. You can groan. You can rejoice. And finally, hold tight. Hold tight. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold tightly. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope. What are we holding on to? We're holding tightly to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. It's like a young child walking through a store, right? Holding on to their parent's hand, right? Clinging to that hand, holding on to that hand because they don't know where they are. They don't want to get lost. Listen, we don't know where we are. We don't know where we're going, but we know that God knows the way. So hold tight to his hand. Cling to that hope that he will lead you to shalom. That he will lead you to that place of peace where sin and suffering are no more. We can groan, we can rejoice, and we can hold tight. And I'd love to close by sharing communion with you today. Communion is a, a corporate celebration of the hope that we have. So if our ushers can prepare, and if everybody would just wait until everyone's been served, just kidding. All right. <laughs> I just like to say that it's, you know, helps me feel a little better. And I can look around. Everybody's been served? Okay, you know, if you need to pause right now, you can do that. All right, everybody. All right, now that everybody's been served, communion is a great way to affirm our hope in Jesus. That's really what it is. The bread, right, it represents his body, right? He suffered for us, that he knows what we're going through. He understands when we groan, right? God came in the flesh. He understands what it is. To feel, It says when he prayed in the garden, he had great anguish. 
Jesus himself groaned. We can groan along with him. And the cup represents his blood. Right? Sealed. Right? Got a life tree cup here. It seals his promise. We can rejoice knowing that our hope will not be disappointed. It's done. As Matthew wrote, his name will be the hope of the whole world. Right? We know the, this, this represents his body. This represents his blood. It's done. We have hope. It is confident hope. Confident, unshakable hope. So would you just hold up your bread and let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this. Lord, as we, as we collectively do this around this county, around this area, this region, throughout Robbinsville and the surrounding towns, God, we gather together in our homes, but we are one in spirit. And God, we, we affirm today that this is a, a tangible representation of your body. It reminds us, Lord, that you understand the suffering, the sin that we are bound by. And you have promised us hope, Lord, that you, you, you understand what we're going through and that we're allowed to groan. Lord, we're allowed to groan and we can rejoice knowing Lord, that you understand and you know us and you broke that power that sin and suffering have over us, Lord. Lord, it, it is defeated. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Let's eat together. And take the cup. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this cup, for what it represents. Lord, your blood poured out for us. Lord, you, you sacrificed your life. You suffered for us. Lord, so that our suffering, the power of sin, would have an expiration date. Lord, we have such hope in you to know that one day, Lord, shalom will be a reality. We will be in right relationship with you, with each other, with everyone. Lord, what a great hope to look forward to, Lord. That, that's what carries us through this season today, here and now, is knowing that hope, Lord, awaits us. Lift our eyes. Lift our eyes today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you drink with me? I want to close today by reading Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says this. I pray that God, would you close your eyes and pray? I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's my prayer for everyone listening today, that you would overflow with confident hope today. In the middle of this tension, knowing what is, but also fully confident of what will be one day. God, you are so good and we love you. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.